we do have a fantastic children's ministry here. Uh, we had our six kids uh, grow up through our children's ministry and such great partners with us as uh, parents in growing them in the Lord. And now we have three grandkids that live in town that are part of it as well. So very, very grateful. All right, why don't you join Dougie Fresh in James 5. Yeah, if some of you are like, Dougie Fresh, who in the world is that? We're, if you have no idea, I don't blame you. Uh, he is about my age, but he's a, a rapper from Barbados. So we've actually never been confused uh, if you've ever met us. So, All right, James chapter 5. We have in this study, and we're almost to the end now of this book of the Bible, James, we've been in this study looking at all the different seasons and times in life. What do we need to know when we are tempted? What do we need to know when we are facing trials? What do we need to know when we are rich? What do we need to know when we're trying to figure out, do we have a relationship with the Lord or not? Uh, today's passage is very specific. It's, what do we need to know when we are suffering or cheerful or sick? And as you think about that, that covers most of your days. Almost every day, you could probably get to the end or in the middle of it go, I'm suffering, I'm cheerful, or I'm sick. So a fantastic passage. I'm glad you're here this morning to see what the scripture says. What do you need to know when you're suffering? What do you need to know when you're cheerful? What do you need to know when you're sick? We'll just look at the first two verses because it's a good summary of the whole section. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. So suffering, pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. So cheerful, sing. Is anyone among you sick? This is the one that gets more specific. We'll spend the most time on. Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we are asking in a unique way a, a working of the Holy Spirit as we always do when we gather for our services, but in some very specific ways that the Lord would meet the suffering in prayer, that he would hear from the cheerful in song and that there would be healing for those who are sick. So bow with me and let's ask the Lord. Lord, as we unpack the scriptures now, and then respond to it and seek to have your work happen even as we're gathered. Uh, Lord, we declare our dependence upon you, our need for you, our confidence and conviction that your word is true. And so, Lord, we want to understand it clearly so we can respond appropriately. So would you, by your spirit, minister to those who are suffering this morning, that you would receive the glory you deserve from those who are cheerful today, and that any who would be sick, that they would experience the healing of you, Lord Jesus. Today, in our midst, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So it begins first, if you're suffering, you're to pray. Now you may want to ask, okay, what's he mean suffering? Because usually when we think suffering, we almost always go to physical sickness. But he addresses sickness in a verse or two later. So when he's thinking suffering, he's thinking something different than sickness, for the audience that he's writing, he is thinking specifically, is anyone suffering, experiencing hardship, difficulty because of their obedience to the Lord? You are seeking to do what's right, maybe as a spouse, and you're suffering. You're seeking to do what's right as a parent, and you're suffering. You're seeking to do what's right at work, and you're suffering. Life is hard because you're seeking to do what is Right, that's what he is referring to when he says, is anyone suffering? Pray, that's our response. Usually, when things are hard, our prayers are, Lord, stop the hard. But actually, 
what we see the example in the scripture is when people are suffering, things are hard because they're doing what is right. There's not usually prayers for deliverance. There's actually prayer for something else. I'm going to take us, well, we'll come back to James in a second, but I want to take us to the historical example in Acts chapter 4, where in the text, James and John have been arrested for doing what's right. So they're suffering for doing good. They've been arrested for preaching the gospel, and they have spent the night in jail, and they've been threatened the next day, if you don't stop, it's going to get worse. And then they release them. And the first thing they do is they go back to the body of believers, the church that's being born there in Jerusalem, and they share, here's what happened. We got arrested for what we were doing, and here's what they said is going to happen if we keep it up. And they pray. Here's what they pray. You can just look at it here on the screen. Oh, Lord, this is their prayer. Oh, Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Kind of interesting, right? <laughs> they go back to creation in their prayer. Who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers who gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, that had been prophesied, now here it's happening. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Gospels record that, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Now, you may think that's the strangest prayer ever for people who are suffering. But actually, what are they doing? They are remembering that all that has ever happened since creation and all that has happened even with the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus, including those who were against him, all that had happened would, had what? Been according to God's plan. You see what they're doing? What are, they, what are they doing? They're remembering this is not by accident. If God was working in creation and God was working in the suffering of Jesus, then he's working now in my suffering. So here is my encouragement. If you're suffering, if life is hard because you're trying to do what is right and you are doing what is right, then give yourself to prayers of remembrance. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done. Because sometimes it's hard to remember when life is hard. Because you get what? Consumed with What's hard? And everybody's against you. And remembering kind of lifts up your eyes and helps you see the big picture. Prayers of remembrance is what they did. So that, watch what they pray next. Right after they pray, here, here's the continuation. I broke the, stopped in the prayer to say prayers of remembrance. Here's how they continue. And now, Lord, all right, you see what he's saying? Here's what you did in the past. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and wipe them out. No, <laughs> that's what we would generally, and stop them, Lord, get them. No, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence. Help us, Lord, not to chicken out. Help us not to shrink back. Don't take the threats away. Help us to continue to do what you've called us to do while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Prayers of remembrance give them confidence to pray Prayers for endurance. This is a great model for us 
If you're not currently suffering, in other words, people speaking badly against you, people mocking you, people looking at your family as you, you guys are weird for what you do. You will. We're going to suffer more. We're going to suffer more, church. Because the light in the midst of darkness is going to, the distinction is going to be greater. And we're going to have to learn to pray prayers of remembrance so that we can endure. Remembering, mark this in our hearts and minds, remembering who God is and remembering what God has done is the fuel to keep us going. If we don't remember, if you will, the gas tank is going to go empty and you're going to falter to a stop. So, suffering? Pray. Pray what? Pray prayers of remembrance so that you can endure. Prayers for endurance. Verse 13 continues. Is anyone suffering? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Now that might seem like a bit of a, well, duh. If you're cheerful, what do you do? do when you're cheerful, do you sing? Some of you whistle because you can't sing. <laughs> He's going, when you are cheerful, when your heart is happy, sing praise. It might seem like a, well, that's obvious, but actually, oftentimes, when things are going well, when, quote, life is good, we can forget to give praise to the one who is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Which is more dangerous to our spiritual life, adversity or prosperity? Yeah, I hope you know that. We're far more prone to forget God in our prosperity than when we are in our adversity. Adversity often drives us to God. Prosperity, cheerful, life is good. The job's good, the family's good, the health is good, everything's good. We're happy, but do we sing praise? Do we give God the glory he deserves? And why does he deserve it? Very simply, what did James say earlier in our study? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So when we are cheerful, we sing praise because our praise gives God the honor he is due. Notice, now some of you are going, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. When life's good, you know, I turn on the radio, I, I turn on Spotify, and, and I listen to praise music. That's not what it said. It doesn't say, when you're cheerful, listen to praise music. What did it say? When you're cheerful, sing. Can I give you an encouragement when you come in here? Sing. Now, I always get those, and so you may be thinking, oh, but... I don't sing well. It doesn't say sing well, it says sing. <laughs> Seriously. And, and people go, oh, but man, I just love the band. And I don't wanna, you know, I just wanna hear them. Do you know why they serve? They serve not to be heard, but to lead you in your singing and praise. It's very clear. They remind themselves regularly. We are not performing, we're leading. And they don't want spectators, they want participants. If I was a worship leader, which I am not, <laughs> but if I was up here leading and singing and you had gathered and weren't joining me in singing, I would think, no, 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 you, this is not a concert. I know that more and more in the church it's, a concert. That's, we, we don't want you to think concert. 
we want you to think, sing praise, all right? Hearts are cheerful, we sing praise. You know why it makes a difference when you, when you sing praise? Because when you sing praise, it not only gives God the honor he is due, when you sing praise, it will lift the hearts of maybe those who are suffering and finding it hard to sing praise. Think about all, almost all of our songs. What are they? They are songs of remembrance. Why? Think about what we sang earlier. He is faithful then, he'll be faithful now. That's exactly what they prayed in Acts 4. You were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. Now you may be in a situation where you are experiencing that. And when you sing praise, when you give voice to that, when we join our voices together in declaring that, that is a process of how we minister to others who have come in here and life is hard, they are suffering, and your voices have the capacity to lift their hearts. And if you think, I don't know, I don't know if my song will help somebody else. Well, here's a very simple example. I think the vast majority of us in here would say there was a time in our life where we were struggling and we read the Psalms, one of the Psalms, and it ministered to us. Psalms minister to us songs of praise in the congregation minister to us. They're important. If one of the most valuable things we learned in COVID was the power of corporate singing. And I was very struck as folks started coming back in late 2020, early 2021. The number of folks who their first time back would just during the worship, just tears stream down their face because they had forgotten having watched but not been able to be together, how it ministered to their heart to be in the room and experience that together. So if you're suffering, pray prayers of remembrance. Suffering, part of our worship together is that we sing songs of remembrance so that we can have prayers of endurance, we can continue on. And we help the suffering when we who are cheerful sing praise. You see how that works together? Is anyone among you sick? Now, it, it doesn't qualify how sick here. It, it seems to be beyond the common cold here. But there, there's a seriousness, and I'll tell you why I think it's a, there's a level of seriousness to the sickness that he's addressing. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, third, when you're sick... Have the elders pray over you. I don't know if it has struck you as we've read these verses like it struck me. If you're suffering, you pray. If you're sick, have others pray for you. What's going on here? Well, I think there's two things going on here. First, I want us to recognize that others pray for us because sickness often brings weariness. There's, often, there's significant debate among folks who study this passage is the words in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament that are used here, 
combine both a weariness and a physical sickness. And so that's why I think we're not just talking about a common cold. There is a, a sickness that has been extended, a chronic sickness that is actually bringing a weariness to your soul. Like, is this ever gonna end? I'm struggling to not go into despair. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced a sickness like this. A sickness that's not like, uh, you know, just wait out the virus. It'll, you know, like the doctor tell me, why well, has it been 10 days? Because if it's not been 10 days, you know, I learned, you just got to say the secret number. It's been 10 days and then they give me stuff that they wouldn't give me if I didn't say 10 days. I probably shouldn't have said that uh, publicly. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Strike that. <laughs> but uh, there's, a, there's a sickness that really starts to wear you out. It's a weariness. And that's when we have other people pray for us because we need others. Part of the gift, again, of the body of Christ is we get to help one another. And specifically in this situation, the call is if there is chronic sickness, a sickness that is continuing have the elders pray. And it says they are to anoint with oil. Now some say, well, the oil in that day and time was medicinal. But the elders aren't doctors. They're prayers. And it's not oil to heal. It's oil in the name of the Lord. So the oil here, I'm pretty certain, is a symbolic expression of, Lord, we need your presence. We need your work. We need you to do what men cannot do in terms of healing in this situation. So the oil is reflective of, as elders anoint with oil, the invitation of the presence of the Lord and the work of the Lord with the anointing of oil. And they are to pray, it says. How are they to pray? And the prayer, verse 15 said, offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. So, serious sickness, I'm wearing out, I need help. Elders come, anoint with oil, inviting the work of the Lord, inviting the presence of the Lord in this specific situation. And they pray in faith. What's it mean to pray in faith? As one of the elders here since 1998, I've been in these situations of praying for folks a lot of years and I've, very much wrestled. Okay, what does it mean to pray in faith? Sometimes uh, that's referred to depending on what stream of faith and believing you were raised in. Sometimes the prayer in faith is communicated as a, this idea that you must pray in a manner that it will happen. And any doubting that it will happen, it's, it's a must, it's a claim it will happen. But I don't think that's a prayer of faith. That's a prayer of demand. That's a, I'm gonna put the money in the slot and I'm gonna get a gumball. Now, a prayer of faith is a prayer of, I think, four parts here. 
a belief that he can heal. There is a, a believing that is required in the, the prayer of faith and that prayer that he can heal. And, and, not, and not that he can heal, meaning he used to heal. Because the gospels are very clear that he healed many. But I believe he can heal now. See, that's the question. And all of us may be at kind of different places in this journey of what we believed. I recognized that growing up, even though as a teenager and a young adult, I was involved in church, we never had healing prayer. Do you know why? There wasn't any conviction that the Lord still healed. He used to, no doubt about that, but the Lord's going to do what he wants to do now. And so no confidence. And if you don't believe he can heal, then you're not going to be able to pray in faith. I was actually on staff here wrestling with, well, does the Lord still heal? Or was that kind of New Testament stuff? And it came to a crisis of all time on a Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, driving in, I was to teach on the fact that Jesus had been crucified, buried, but God raised him from the dead. And I was planning, uh, scheduled to teach on that Easter, obviously, but my son, oldest, had woken up that morning sick, and therefore, we were not going to be able to go to a annual Easter gathering with another family because we wouldn't feel good about taking him, and we were going to leave him at home as a young child. And I was struck with the irony. I'm going to go preach that Jesus was raised from the dead, but I'm not convinced that God could heal my son. And it was, the, it was the first strong movement of the Lord in my heart. If you believe that, how can you not believe this? If you believe in the resurrection and that because he was raised, I'm going to be raised one day? How could I not believe that, that the God who raises the dead could not still heal the sick? And really, for one of the first times, genuinely believing he can heal, driving into Easter Sunday, ask the Lord, Lord, as you raise Jesus from the dead, would you heal my son? Now you, of course, I know you're wondering, well, did he? <laughs> but that's almost irrelevant. Because the, the issue was, did I believe he could? He did. But the real issue was, again, my conviction. If he raises the dead, he can heal the sick. When? Now. And when I believe he can, then I will ask that he will. See, that was, that was what I realized about my faith. My lack of asking was rooted in my uncertainty of believing. And that may be true for some of you. You may still, and I understand, you may still be going, eh, I'm not with you yet, Doug. I understand, it's all right. I would encourage you, ask yourself, though, do you believe in the resurrection? If I believe in the resurrection from the dead and that I too will be raised with him, then how is it that I would not believe he can heal now? And once I began to believe that he can, I was freed up to not demand that he would, but to, what's the word? Ask. Ask 
that he would. Here's a passage that really helped me. While he, speaking of Jesus, was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy, a disease of the skin that kept a person completely isolated from others. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, what's implored mean? Begged, asking with every ounce within him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Did he believe that he could? Yes, he was 100% certain that he could. Did he know that he would? No. But because he believed that he could, he asked that he would. That's the prayer of faith. I believe that he can. So I ask that he would. Within the next year, studying through the Gospel of Luke here, more and more seeing the work of God through the healing work of Jesus in the life of people. On a Sunday morning in a worship service, for as long as I had been here anyway, uh, we had an opportunity for anybody who was sick to stand and we simply offered a prayer of faith, believing that he could and asking that he would heal any. And he did, some. Not everyone, but he did some. Next day, we got an email from a young gal in our congregation who was sitting right over here, and she said, I almost didn't come to church that morning. I was feeling so badly by my doctor's analysis. I had a, a hard tumor, and I stood believed and asked and I literally felt it soften and I went to the doctor this morning and he said I don't know what to tell you but what was present last week is not present now now there were many who stood that day some who were healed and I remember an individual saying, well, we'll see how long, it, how long that's true for her. What'd that reflect? Uh, yeah, I'm still not really sure. Maybe it was just kind of funny stuff. Maybe something else. Let me ask you a question. If someone's sick and they're healed and then they get sick again, does that mean they were never healed? Oh, I'll make it even more. When Lazarus was dead and then he was raised from the dead and then he died again, did that really take away anything from his first resurrection? <laughs> Not to me, it doesn't. <laughs> but these are the things that we wrestle through in believing the work of God. So we believe that he can. We ask that he will. How do we know we're genuinely asking and not demanding? By the fact that we trust his choice. We trust him in his choosing. Lord, do a miracle in my healing and do a miracle in my enduring in my sickness. You see? Trust his choosing. The evidence that I believe is that I ask. The evidence that I'm asking is revealed in my trust. The evidence that I am trusting is that I praise him.
in sickness and in health. I praise him no matter what. When after seeking the Lord a long time over this, what's a prayer of faith? When the, when the Lord helped me resolve these four statements, believe that he can, ask that he will, trust what he does and praise him no matter what, it has freed me up to without hesitation declare before you, not only has the Lord done miracles, the Lord does miracles. Ask him. Trust him and praise him no matter what. That's the prayer of faith. Now there's something unique about the text that we're in and the prayer offered in faith, it doesn't say may or might, it says will. So what's all this trust is choosing, Doug? (laughs) Will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. See, one of the things that we have to understand in this text is elders anointing with oil and praying. There is an uh, indispensable aspect of confession of sin that is a part of this prayer. Why? Simple reason. In general... Why is there sickness present in our world? Sickness is present in our world because of sin. We know that because prior to the fall, prior to the sin of an Adam and Eve, there was no sickness, there was no death. And we know that in heaven, the scripture says clearly, where there is no sin, there will be no sickness and death. So in this time period, this time on the planet, Sickness is a result of sin in general. But the scripture indicates New Testament that there are sickness, that there is sickness that is specific to sin in a particular person's life, even to the point of death. The beginning of the early church, Annas and Sapphira lied about how much they gave. And they were sick to death on the spot. Now, I don't know what the autopsy would have said. <laughs> autopsy may have said COVID. Or, or <laughs> a little, little side joke. Uh, autopsy may have said heart attack. But it was clearly what? The discipline of the Lord. When Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, some of you are sick And some of you are even dying because of particular sin in your life. See, what's happening here, James is saying, if you are sick, you need to have the elders anoint you with oil and pray in faith. But that's their part. Your part is what? Confessing your sin. For this reason, we have confession of sin because sickness may, may, not always. Sickness may be a result of a specific sin. See, please don't hear me. If you're sick, it's because of a specific sin in your life. I'm not saying that's always true, but it most certainly is sometimes. That, that sickness because of sin in our lives is what the scripture talks about, the discipline of the Lord. It's not the punishment of the Lord. It's the discipline of the Lord. It's to bring us to confession and repentance of our sin. It calls us to turn from it. Remember David, Old Testament king, 
man after God's own heart, did great things for God, and then blew it in a big way. Didn't go off to war like he was supposed to go off to war as the kings go off to war and stayed home. And in his boredom, lust takes over and he commits adultery with Bathsheba and then tries to cover it up, murders her husband. He writes a psalm about it, two of them, Psalm 32, Psalm 51. One of the things he writes in Psalm 32 is when I kept silent about my sin, when I kept silent about my adultery, when I kept silent about this framed assassination, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And this Selah, you know what that means? Uh, it's a Hebrew word that says pause and consider deeply. Consider deeply what? Is there sin that you have remained silent about? That's actually the cause of sickness. He goes on. Next verse, I acknowledged my sin to you. I, I didn't stay silent. I finally admitted it. My iniquity, I did not hide. I brought it into the open. I said, I'll confess my transgressions. I'll confess my adultery, my murder to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Pause, think deeply, carefully. Why continue to hide your sin? He says, when I acknowledged it, you forgave my guilt. And he doesn't say it specifically. I think it's clearly implied in the text and what happened to what he was experiencing physically. That heaviness, that all-day groaning, that vitality that had been drained away from him, it was restored because it was present because of his being silent of his sin. You see what's happening? In James chapter 5, here's what's happening. He had started chapter 5 by going, hey, some of you are rich because you're cheaters. You're not paying people what you deserve, what they deserve. And you're taking advantage of the poor. You're rich at the expense of others. It's a harsh admonition. And he says, some of you are suffering and you're just losing it. You're bailing out and blowing up. Be patient. Don't grumble. And some of you, because things have been hard, he said in verse 12 last week, are not telling the truth anymore. You're using loopholes to get out of promises that you make as if you don't need to keep them anymore. You're being dishonest and untrustworthy. You see, all of chapter five, he's been confronting very specific sin in their life. And now he's saying, and if you're sick, you need to come to the elders and have them pray for you and do what? And confess your sin. Because if sickness is the result of that sin in your life, when you confess it, what will happen with the sickness? Your sin will not only be forgiven, but your sickness will, will be healed. Yeah. He's simply acknowledging that what he is saying is that this sickness it may be a result of specific sin. It's the discipline of the Lord. You are taking advantage of the poor. You are being a person who is no longer telling the truth. You are breaking your promises and your breaking of your promises is resulting in a sickness and the Lord is disciplining you. If you will confess, the sickness will be healed, will be, 
will be. It's not a might be. If the sickness is because of sin and the sin is confessed, it will end. You will be restored. That's why it's an absolute promise. Now, you got, can I make sure every single one of you are listening right now? Is all sickness due to a specific sin in a person's life? No. And so you may go, but how do I know? (laughs) That's what I would want to know. If I'm sick, how do I know if this is because of sin in my life? Very simple. Confess it. Be honest. Confess your sins to one another. Be honest to the Lord. Be honest to the person who you've sinned against. And if you are healed, guess what? That's evidence that the Lord was using that sickness to bring you to repentance. If you confess and the sickness remains, then that sickness is not a result of sin. It's a, to show the glory of God of faithfulness, endurance, in the midst of sickness, just like the Apostle Paul, who had sickness. And it wasn't because of sin, it was for revealing of the glory of God in his life. See, church, I don't think in our present day we are as committed to the scripture in New Testament times of sickness and unconfessed sin being connected. Not always, but where there's chronic sickness, I want to encourage you. Not only ask others to pray for you, take your personal responsibility in that and confess your sin. Don't hide it any longer. He continues then, and the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah, example, was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Fantastic, miraculous moment that would be easy to go, whoa. Elijah and elders, we got to get the right people to pray because some people have really powerful prayers. That is not what he's saying. He, he is, almost goes out of his way to go, don't make it about Elijah. He was a man with a nature like ours. So Elijah did not have special prayer power. We don't go to the elders because the elders have special prayer power. If he didn't have special prayer power, why did he talk about Elijah? Well, let me give you the... See, again, James is writing Jewish people who would have known this story. We don't know it like they would have known it. Elijah prayed in... 1 Kings 17, that it wouldn't rain. And he prayed that because here is what we learn about the king of Israel at that time. End of chapter 16. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So he erected an altar for Baal. Baal, a false god, an idol that was worshipped much during that time in the house of Baal. So he not only had a house of Baal, he erected an altar for Baal and he built it in Samaria. Ahab also made the Ashura. The Ashura was simply a pole that was an image to the fertility goddess. So he's worshiping the fertility goddess and he is encouraging worship of Baal, the false god. Thus, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And then Elijah prays, Lord, don't let it rain. Why? Why would he pray that? Here's what they would have known. 
Because it had said in the giving of the law in Deuteronomy chapter 11, beware that your hearts are not deceived and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. Baal, Asherah. Don't do that. Or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain. And the ground will not yield its fruit and you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. See, I never, <laughs> I wasn't Jewish. For a long time, I was just like, wow, Elijah's the man. He said, mm, what would really get him? Don't make it rain, Lord. No, that's not what happened. What did he do? He simply said, God, keep your promise. Keep your promise. Wasn't it Elijah had special power? It's the Lord has power. See, we believe in healing, not healers. Big difference. Healing, not healers. The power was his prayers were aligned with the promises of Scripture. So when elders pray, it's not because they have special power. They are praying according to the promises of God. So we want to take a few minutes and apply the text. Here's what we're going to do. If you're suffering, we're going to have a time of prayer together. If you're cheerful, I want you to sing. <laughs> and if you're sick, I want to invite you to meet our elders. They're over in our prayer area. So if you're in South Auditorium, you see where you are, where the prayer area is, North Auditorium, straight out the doors. We want to invite you to go. Our elders are there with their spouses with oil to pray for you. Understand, they're going to pray in faith for your healing. What are they going to ask you? Confess your sin. So don't get there and go, oh. They're not being rude. They're not being mean. They're applying the text. So any elders in South, any elders in North, you can go to that prayer area now. And we're going to stand in a moment to sing praise, remembrance, and then we're going to pray together in here. And if you would like prayer with the elders, let me invite you when we stand to exit North or South Auditorium and join our elders for prayer. All right? Anybody cheerful? All right, let's stand and sing. Just one word, you call a storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a Just one.
There's no power like the power of Jesus Let faith arise, let all agree There's no power like the power of Jesus I will believe for greater things There's no power like the power of Jesus Let faith arise, let all agree There's no power like the power of Jesus faith arise despite of what I see Lord I believe but help my unbelief I choose to trust you no matter what I feel let faith arise let faith arise for my champion's not dead, he is alive. He already knows my every need. Surely he will come and rescue me. So we have some folks from both auditoriums who are being prayed for right now. And I want to invite us, if you agree with what we've just said, that, that we believe that God can heal, that, that that's what we would declare together. Maybe you would be willing to say this out loud after, more, after me. Lord, we believe you can heal. We ask that you would heal now. We trust you and we praise you for everything and in everything. Lord Jesus, we unite our hearts together. Ask you to heal. And now just in the quietness of our heart, uh, would you pray for those who are being prayed for that they would have the courage to confess. It's hard to confess. Pray that they would have courage and honesty. And Lord, I pray that if there are any here in North right now who haven't gone out of fear, uh, that faith would arise and they would step out of their seat now and, and go confess their sin and ask for your healing to the praise of your glory.
so if you're suffering, let's pray together. Maybe you need endurance. So in the quietness of this moment, would you bring to remembrance the God of miracles, the God of creation, how he spoke things into existence, how he breathed life into humanity. Nothing is happening in your life that does not pass through his loving, perfect hands. Would you remember his perfect love for you on the cross? Remember that Jesus had insults hurled at him. And he was obedient even to the point of death. So would you, there where you stand, so now, Lord, help me, strengthen me to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith to the praise of your glory. This world is shaking, you cannot be shaken. My heart is breaking, but I am not forsaken. Your love is fearless. Help me to be courageous too. Oh, there is nothing impossible. There's a world is shaking, but you cannot be shaken. My heart is breaking. that you are here. I want us to, as we've reached out to the Lord and we've prayed to the Lord in faith, what I want to do is I want to pray a blessing over you. And I pray that you would receive this in faith. So I'm going to ask you to bow with me one more time. And if you're comfortable, some of you will be, some of you won't. It's okay. If you're comfortable, just hold your hands out in front of you as, as if you were uh, receiving a gift from the Lord. And so this is how we'll end our time and be dismissed after this. So let's bow our heads. Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed day. Glad you were here. God bless.